Welcome to AHIC Talks, a podcast for the Arabian and African Hospitality Investment Conference, the annual gathering of the hospitality and investment community for the Middle East and African region. Tune in each week to hear our team at AHIC share insightful conversations with industry leaders and innovators in the hospitality and investment community. And now, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another AHIC podcast and I'm here today with the Cabinet Secretary, the Minister of Tourism Wildlife, Najib Balala. Welcome, Najib. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much for inviting me in AHIC. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we're going to have a pretty um, wide-reaching conversation about the last year and the future of travel and tourism in, in Kenya. I wanted to start by picking up on something which I thought was quite significant to the AHIC event this year, which is obviously the combination of the Middle East and African markets, in that I noticed that you had just recently hosted the Minister of Tourism from Saudi Arabia to Kenya. I wondered what this tour was really about and what was it telling us about the future of the relationships between the Middle East and Africa? Well, thank you very much, uh, Matt. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm glad that you are, you are still continuing with IHIC uh, because, uh, again, we cannot just uh, stay back uh, and and just uh, tolerate the, the, the pandemic without thinking about investment. And definitely, Middle East has moved forward in investment. I saw what Saudi Arabia is doing. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is investing heavily in tourism. I think it's the only country that is heavily heavily investing in tourism. Mm. Uh, they're investing almost $500 billion in the next 10 years. So yes, sharing experiences here in Africa, and uh, we managed to have the African Tourism Recovery Summit. And uh, the chief guest was uh, the Minister of Tourism from Saudi Arabia, my friend uh, Ahmed Al Khatib. And uh, despite we were talking about recovery and strategies, Yes, and seeing what is the priority for now and what is the priority for for the future. If there's one thing that we should take advantage during this pandemic is investment in infrastructure and connectivity. That is key because we have observed in Africa that we can do intra-Africa tourism travel. Mm. Already we have 1.3 billion people in the continent of Africa. But if you see the tourism numbers, we are only 72 million uh, tourists in, in Africa. And, and, and with the 72, we create almost 21 million jobs. So if we improve that number and gradually we target in the next five years a two to 300 million people travel within the continent of Africa, that's already a huge source market, bigger than Europe and bigger than the United States. So we can depend on ourselves, despite we want visitors from outside, but definitely is about infrastructure, it's about security, it's about connectivity. And these are the things we brought up uh, in, uh, in this meeting. And the key thing that uh, most of African ministers accepted is that we must address a quick win, which is connectivity, make it seamless and easy to, to go from one country to another within the continent of Africa. At the same time, make the continent of Africa a domestic market. So there is no way of making it expensive to travel within the continent of Africa. So that's a quick win. 
But also the immediate thing is about getting vaccinations. Uh, vaccination is paramount. Uh, and definitely, yes, yesterday I saw what CDC Africa is saying. They are already purchasing almost 400 million doses uh, or vials of vaccines. They want, to implement, they want to roll it out as soon as possible in the continent of Africa. So, so there is a movement in vaccination. Again, there is an acceptability of that. Let's make Africa as a one domestic market to make it cheaper, but also to improve connectivity in the continent. And definitely then we improve on other infrastructure like train, like roads, connectivity between one country to another. And then the big agenda is change the narrative of the brand Africa. Currently, the narrative out there is negative. How do we make it positive? And yes, we have problems in Africa, but definitely uh, with, uh, with investment being put in both in education, in healthcare, and in the economy, there's a growing number of, uh, again, middle-class uh, Africans. Uh, it's growing very, very fast. Again, uh, this continent has the youngest population in the world. The majority of our population are below 35 in the continent of Africa. Kenya alone, the average age in Kenya is 20.7 uh, years old. So you can see we have the potential, but again, we need to make that first step of focusing on investment. And then we'll come to product development, which is tourism now. Because the continent of Africa has deserts, has mountains, have forests, have everything, have the sea, have nature. How do we now invite private sector to come in and, and give them the incentives and develop the products so that we can have uh, right product? Already we have good products, but again, it's not enough yet. And, and, and yes, we need to have the right products uh, for not only the domestic market in, uh, in the continent, but also international market. So yes, that was the discussion in this uh, uh, summit which was held in Nairobi about three weeks ago. And uh, yes, we have seen what the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the minister's dynamism into transforming the kingdom uh, through tourism and the vision that the royal uh, crown prince has shows that they are determined. And when they're determined and we have very powerful investment going on, definitely, we need to write to create the right uh, atmosphere, the right policies globally to make sure these investments are worthwhile. Thank you. There was a lot there. And if, if I sort of look at it in a couple of uh, different areas, let's look at the infrastructure piece first and, and the domestic market. It was only a few years ago, I think, that the train line between Nairobi and Mombasa was completed and functional. And that was a huge step to connecting the coast to the city. And you'd already started to see some benefit from the domestic market because of that. Now, you've set yourself up for that. And I think that this is potentially a real opportunity to, to reinvent Kenya as a destination and not rely on the international market. How have you, over the last 12 months, supported that and capitalised on it? Well, uh, we, we are lucky in Kenya, Matt, uh, because we started the domestic market uh, investment uh, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, this is the right time because people are not travelling out of the country. People appreciate it to travel within the country. Most of people travel overseas, but not home. Mm. But now they got the opportunity and they appreciated the products 
and uh, their own country. So yes, the, the, the train that was established uh, four or five years ago from Mombasa to Nairobi has benefited the domestic market. Actually, most of the time, there are almost four frequencies a day, they're all full. It's affordable, it's safe, it's quicker as well than road transport. So it is working very well. But also we have invested as a government in the last uh, 10 years in infrastructure. We have built almost 10,000 kilometers of roads. In fact, if you come to Nairobi today, you wouldn't realize that you have a flyover from the airport to downtown and past, and it will take you 15 minutes from the airport. Before, it takes you almost one and a half hours. Uh, but that is an investment that will be ready in December. By February, this uh, flyover will be operational. So major infrastructure development has been done in Nairobi, particularly for MICE conferences and meetings, uh, but also other parts of the country. We are doing also a, a toll road from Nairobi to Lanet, past Nakuru. So that is being done by the French. We are already starting commissioning that project. So across the country, including from Malindi to the border of Tanzania, connecting that. You go to Masai Mara, there's a, a road from Nairobi to the gate of Masai Mara National Park. So infrastructure, uh, we have done very well. And this is the opportunity to invest in infrastructure. That's why it cannot be just about Kenya. Kenya needs to connect with its neighbors. Its neighbors need to connect to the broader countries that are around, around us here so that we can be effective. People can travel uh, efficiently. That's why we have Kenya, Uganda, and Rwanda, the biggest numbers of regional uh, citizens coming into Kenya is because of infrastructure, both air, but also infrastructure by road. You talk of um, Kenya uh, as probably the market that you would look at for some of the key products that have set the standards for East Africa and Africa um, widely. Now, I think a lot of focus now is on Kenya for the experiential luxury market, especially. How are you potentially looking to take advantage of that? Well, uh, first, Kenya is well known for its safari and, uh, and beach. And definitely we have beyond beach and safari. Uh, but our core products are beach and safari. So far, we have worked very well. Uh, we have mass tourism, but also we have the high-end tourism. And you go to Masai Mara or to other national parks, you get facilities that are not only expensive, but they're out of this world. So the luxury market is doing... In fact, currently, the luxury facilities are doing very well. They are small, they have their niche market, and those people travel, not only travel through the scheduled airline, but also travel through private planes. So that so far has done very well. And, and I've been to Masai Mara yesterday and I've seen people saying, yes, uh, they're doing well during this time. We are not out of the woods, definitely, uh, but definitely uh, we need more. We have a huge country. We are almost 580 square kilometers as a country. Uh, we have huge investment in accommodation and we have many national parks. We have almost uh, 50 national parks and reserves in the country. And we have 160 uh, community conservancies, which are buffer zones to the national parks and they have tourism facilities like lodges and tented caps. So there's lots of opportunities, lots of different types of opportunities for investors. What's now the strategy on attracting them? Who are you looking for? Well, uh, first of all, our source market, the main source market is the USA. Uh, UK, Europe, uh, China, 
and India. Those are the key source markets. And definitely we are going to put focus according to our McKinsey strategy. Uh, the USA uh, against Saudi Arabia is another highly potential and China because our numbers from China are too small. 70,000 people coming from China is too small. So we need to up that game. But definitely we need also to attract investors from those countries, yeah, both the Middle East, uh, both from the United States and Europe and China, and have connection, not only investors from there, but also they know their clientele to develop product for themselves. But we are attracting, we have facilities both in the national parks and reserves, we have facilities on the beach which are available for investment. And because there is connectivity of infrastructure, the country has been opened up and there are more opportunities in, in off the beaten track, uh, again, adventure tourism that is available and it has not been uh, tapped yet. The past years, obviously, you know, we've, I think we're all a bit sick of talking about how tough the, the last year has been, but... Um, have you seen any green shoots um, and in certain areas, have you seen green shoots that have sort of inspired a, a refocus uh, from from the government to support it? Have you seen any sort of bouncing back from the industry in the last couple of months? And where do you think it's going to sort of take uh, Kenya over the next six to 12 months? First of all, Kenya came in, the government came in uh, to support the industry through uh, economic stimulus uh, package. Uh, we have supported in terms of refurbishment of hotels. Uh, then we have also invested into paying salaries for the community rangers across the country yeah. and also employing scouts to make sure these uh, community conservancies and national parks are well protected during this difficult time. Because most of our revenues come from tourism. So we needed to have uh, the sustainability of protection, particularly as number one. So we observed that uh, reduction in poaching. We have observed that uh, people have now gone to technology. So there's a lot of promotion through technology. There's a lot of investment mm -hmm. in technology. And people have refused to say that the pandemic will put them in the back banner of the eyes of their clientele. So most of our industry players and Kenya Tourism Board have been aggressively marketing and promoting Kenya, probably not getting returns because uh, you don't do the conversion immediately because of, again, because of the lockdowns, because of the protocols are rigid, quarantine issues. But definitely most of our people and the industry here uh, have made sure that they are not forgotten in the eyes of the consumer. So that is a major change. But also in the last couple of months, we have seen the American market is coming back. Uh, they've opened up because, again, most of the people are vaccinated. Europe slowly, uh, two, two weeks ago, we launched uh, the Lufthansa flight Eurowings into Mombasa twice a week. So, so life is coming back slowly, but yet we are only 30% of what we used to be. Well, let's not forget about part of the title there, which is the wildlife. And I know that um, when things sort of got switched off, I was a little bit worried that the wildlife was going to take a bit of a battering because of the lack of support. What impact has this last 12 months had on conservation and the wildlife? And I suppose what initiatives have 
started as a consequence outside of obviously that initial you know the support to the the conservancies and such like but um what what's sort of what is the situation with the wildlife well the good news is that uh, we had zero poaching in rhinos 2020 brilliant uh, we have tamed poaching generally so we had only 11 elephants being poached in kenya yeah from 100 plus elephants five years ago so we have managed to appreciate the circumstances. Uh, the government policies are very tough in terms of poaching mm. and the penalties by the judiciary, judiciary also is very tough. So that is very successful. And also we had a baby boom of elephants, baby elephants and baby rhinos. So, so this is good news. So what we have done uh, during this time is that we have launched the National Wildlife Census we have never done census holistically on wildlife and species in this country. So this is the first time we decided as a government, all financed by government, uh, to understand how much we have, what is the current capacity, and how do we plan not only to conserve, but also to mitigate challenges. One of the key challenges we have observed is human-wildlife conflict. Because again, uh, animals started moving out of uh, they are protected areas uh, because also there is a competition between agriculture, human settlement and protection and conservation. So that is a reality we need to address. So human wildlife conflict has become the number one agenda we need to address. And it's not only about Kenya, the entire continent of Africa. We have major challenges in human wildlife conflict. And I think it's time for the international, for us to put this agenda of human wildlife conflict on the international uh, arena or table for discussion and for funding because the minute we lose the goodwill of the communities then conservation conservation will die yeah. uh, why because it's the goodwill of the people that today we are protecting this heritage that belong to the world if we don't appreciate the challenges they go compensate them in time and also have mitigating uh, measures to protect them from wildlife then uh, then our efforts will be futile. Yeah, I agree. I know you're really busy, so I want to ask you one more question, which is about our event in September. We're obviously delighted that we're working towards combination of the Africa and Middle Eastern events uh, into one programme, and thank you for joining us for that. But is there one topic that you want to hear about when you're there and, and, and why would that be? One immediate topic we need, need to be considered is we need to help Africa to get vaccines and the people to be vaccinated. That will remove the stigma of fear, in particularly in health, particularly in this moment. Yeah, so that is key. We want to hear it when we come to, to Dubai in September. But also, yes, uh, we need a lot of investment to be brought in into the continent, both from the Middle East, but also uh, around the world. Because without investment to be around the world, then one, one nation cannot be successful. So I think that focus of diversifying investment uh, and, and reaching the continent of Africa, that will be a big plus if we hear it uh, in Dubai in September. Well. Thank you very much for joining me today, Cabinet Secretary, and thank you for joining us in September. Look forward to seeing you again and have a, a wonderful weekend and thank you for joining. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Ahif. Uh, 
uh, and we are, we, are, we are looking forward uh, to, to this event and uh, thank you for inviting me as well. Thanks for listening to AHIC Talks, a podcast for the Arabian and African Hospitality Investment Conference. For a full transcript of this conversation, along with other reports and insights, visit ahic.com. We look forward to welcoming you and your colleagues live and in person at AHIC in Dubai from the 20th through 22nd of September, 2021. Register and purchase your pass today at ahic.com and save on the early bird rate. For any questions, email us at hello at ahic.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep well.